Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. Good to be back with all of our listeners again today, and we're thankful that we have the opportunity and the means and the ability to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We know that there are people in this country and around the world who want to get into God's Word, but maybe they cannot get to the church building, the Church of Christ, wherever you might be. And so we're thankful to be able to teach those individuals prayerfully, hopefully, including you on a regular basis through the medium of the internet by means of these podcasts. We want to encourage you to share these, these studies with everybody you can on a regular basis through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, but with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. Boy, if there was ever a time when human, humanity, people all over the world, need to get into God's Word, need to start learning about God, need to start turning to God and walking with God, we can certainly say this is one of those prime moments. Humanity, all of mankind, need to start to open their eyes and see all of the evil that the devil is instigating all around the world right now in such profound ways, and they need to start turning to God for the answers, for the solutions, and for the peace and deliverance that God offers, even in the face of lots of tragedy. Well, please share with everybody you can. Spread this word, God's word. Help people learn that they can turn to these podcasts over the internet and study and learn God's word. We also want to encourage you to tell people to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast link and sign up for our podcasting. It is easy to do. It is free. It always will be free. And when people sign up for our podcasting, then they will start receiving these Wednesday night Bible classes, Sunday morning Bible classes, and all of our sermons. They'll also receive a weekly Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures. And they'll also receive what I consider to be a real gem, and that is a short 13-minute Bible study every day called Today's Bible Class. And it covers all kinds of relevant and scriptural topics and themes, and it's there to help us get into God's Word, even for a short period of time, every day, keeping our minds focused on our relationship with God and helping us to stay strong in our spiritual lives, in our faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So it is really crucial, key for us to be in God's Word on a consistent basis, not just here and there, now and then, sometime maybe, but as often as we can, every day if possible. So share these short studies. We're going to get into our study of 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2. Now, we've been looking at these various books, these letters in the, Old, in the New Testament written, first we were looking at some that were written by the Apostle Paul, and then we got into James, and then we went through First and Second Peter, 
And now we're looking at 1 John. And we'll probably go all the way through 3 John before this particular uh, section of our study is finished. But we want to encourage you. Now, if you happen to be in the Omaha area, come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. Bible classes on Sunday morning begin at 930, followed by worship at 1030, and Sunday evening worship at 6 o'clock. Then Wednesday night Bible classes every Wednesday night at 630. You're always welcome. And that way you can get to meet us, know us, we can get to know you, and we can build that relationship together. 1 John chapter 2, we have been looking at the first eight verses, going over them in some depth and detail, and I've been taking that particular tactic along through these studies because I want to get deeper into God's Word, not just do a surface-level kind of study, but I want you to get greater insight into what God is teaching us through these various Scripture texts. Now, picking up with verse 9, John goes on and he says, "'He who says he is in the light and hates his brother,' is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Interesting text, interesting immediate context where John is emphasizing the importance of true Christians loving their brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, are we to love God? Oh, absolutely, we're to love God. In fact, John later on says we love God because he first loved us. And God is love. If we want to exemplify godliness in our lives, then it's going to have to be a, 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 a life that is really centered in God's love for us and our love for God. Why should we be obedient to the teachings of God's word? because we love God. That should be the primary motivation. We love God. And that love, again, is motivated by his love for us first. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins, John 3 at verse 16. And maybe even more graphic, at least more detailed, is Paul's writing in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God loves us to a degree that is not just impressive, it is awesome. But now, part of our love for God, part of godly love within us, John is bringing out, and he does this repeatedly through this short letter, 1 John is that we ought to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, should we love the world, those who are outside of Christ, those who are still living in sinful lifestyles, even the worst of the worst? Well, sure. Now, does love for someone mean that we approve of the way they're living? Absolutely not. How many times do parents have to correct a child because that child is misbehaving? And so the parent corrects them, even brings discipline upon them in some form or fashion, because they love their child. 
They love their child so much that they will not allow that child to continue misbehaving in the way that he or she is misbehaving. That kind of discipline is godly, and it is loving. We love somebody enough that if they say, you know, I think I'll just drink this cup of poison here because I think I'm big enough and bad enough, it's not going to hurt me. And so we say, no, 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 you can't do that. That's foolish. That's, that's you know, un, not only unwise, it is, it is just, you know, un, well, as I said, foolish to a degree that we really could not spell out sufficiently. It's foolhardy. You're going to at least get sick and probably die if you drink that poison. So we try to talk them out of it, and we may even get to the point where we physically take the cup of poison out of their hands and pour it down a drain or something, because we love them. We love them. We care about them. We want what's best for them. God wants what's best for all of humanity. But now, every single human being is left with the responsibility of responding to God's love in a responsible loving, and obedient way. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, he repeats that basically. That's John 14 and verse 15. Then he repeats it in verse 21. He repeats it again in verse 23. And then he repeats it in an inverse kind of fashion in verse 24. True love for God. And a whole lot of people say, oh, I love God. I love the Lord. I love Jesus, but they're living in sinful lifestyles. They're not being obedient to the teachings of God's word, but they keep mouthing off about how much they love God and how much they love Jesus. Well, Jesus said, if you really love me, you're going to keep my commandments. That's really where true love for me and true love for God is exemplified when we keep his commandments. Well, notice that John comes to a a repetitive theme here when he says, when he's talking about light, he who says he is in the light. We go back to chapter one and remember beginning with verse five, John wrote, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and the truth is not in us. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, he's not talking about walking in artificial light, you know, having a candle lit or a lantern lit, or in our day and age, light bulbs on all over the place. He's not even talking about walking in the light of the sun by day. He's talking about light from a spiritual perspective, and that light that, that, he, that he mentions and that he's emphasizing in verse 5 when he says God is light, he's talking about God is totally righteous, totally righteous. And so we are to not walk in darkness, and that would, that would indica- indicate and, and, and describe unrighteousness, ungodliness, because God is light. So walking in darkness, that's ungodliness. And that's, of course, sinful, wicked, evil lifestyles. So God is light. So he, here in chapter 2 and verse 9, he says, he who says he is in the light, okay, that's what we ought to be striving 
to indicate by our very lifestyles that we are walking in the light of godliness. When you think about what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he begins by talking about, in this particular immediate context, in that, in that general, more general context, he says in verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. But then he goes on in verse 14 and he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The light of godliness, the light of obedience, a life of obedience to God's teachings, to his word. Now, the world is caught up in the darkness of sinfulness because the devil is described, identified as, in various places, the God, lowercase g-o-d, not talking about God the Father, God the Creator, and certainly not talking about God the Son or God the Holy Spirit, but, but he's talking about the God, lowercase g, in other words, of this world. Now, now, why would the devil be described such in Scripture? Because more people in this world are following his leading than are following God's leading. More people are living in unrighteousness and ungodliness than are living in righteousness and godliness. More people in this world are living outside of the boundaries of God's word. They're not following. They're not living by God's teachings than are living by God's teachings. And when you think about the very description of hell, outer darkness, that's the place where the devil resides. Outer darkness, that's the place where the lost, the eternally lost will be. Outer darkness, darkness that is so thick, so intense, that you can't see anything. You can't see your hand in front of your face. That's the sense of what is being talked about. So darkness, John says, if you're, wa- if, you're not, if, if you're walking in darkness, the darkness of sinfulness, then you're not walking in the light of God's presence, of his influence in your life, of his teachings through his word. So we come back to chapter 2 then in verse 9. He says, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. So in chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, John gives a general kind of instruction as to what it is to walk in the light. We're going to walk in godliness. We're going to walk by God's teachings. We're going to live our lives guided by his word. And we're going to surrender our will to his will for how we live our lives. He's showing us the best way. He has eternal an eternal home waiting for us in heaven if we'll walk with him in the light of his teachings on this earth, in our physical lives here. So that's the general message. If we want to walk with God, then we're going to have to walk in the light of godliness, communicated to us, taught to us through his word. So Now, in chapter 2 and verse 9, John makes one specific application of walking in the light, and he says, that's loving your brother and sister in Christ. Now, he's writing this to Christians here, 
So he says, he who says he is in the light, he's walking with God, righteousness, godliness. He's living by God's teachings, but he hates a brother or sister in Christ, can't get along with a brother or sister in Christ, does not like them, then he's not living. He's not walking in the light of God's word. That particular sinful lifestyle or aspect of his lifestyle indicates he's in the darkness of sin because that's a sin, John says. He who loves his brother abides in the light, verse 10 of chapter 2, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. And, and that's interesting. That last statement there in verse 10, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. You see, if a non-Christian looks at Christians and they see a Christian, one who calls himself a Christian, identifies himself as a Christian, and he is harboring a mindset of animosity toward a brother or sister in Christ, he hates, does not like, cannot stand to be around a particular brother, sister in Christ because he does not like them, he hates them. Well, John says, for the non-Christian, looking in from the outside and thereby kind of examining what Christianity is and all about and is this something I want to become a part of, that could cause him to stumble away from Christ, away from God, away from being forgiven of his sins because he sees a Christian, or maybe a number of Christians, who are not living the Christian lifestyle properly because they've got hatred in their hearts toward a brother or sister in Christ. And verse 11, he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. So he might say, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, I've been baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. Acts 22 verse 16. I'm at the church building for every single worship service and Bible study, three, four, maybe five times a week, whatever scheduled. I'm there. I read my Bible regularly, perhaps even daily. Well, that's great. But if you're living in some kind of sinful lifestyle, you're not walking in the light of God's word. You're stumbling somewhere along the line, and you need to get that sinful lifestyle out of your life. You hate your brother, sister in Christ? John says, hey, you're, you're in darkness because that's sin. That's sin. Now, it's interesting. This is not the only place in the New Testament talking about Christianity, following Christ, being a Christian, that focuses on this particular and this particular subject or theme. When we look at John chapter 15, John chapter 15 and verse 12, here, and this is the night of Jesus' betrayal. The next day is going to be on the cross. This immediate context talks of, it begins in chapter 13, goes all the way through chapter 17. And Jesus, on this last night that he would be with the apostles before he goes to the cross, he gives them a whole host of specific teachings, but also encouragement. In verse 12 in chapter 15, he says, this is my commandment. So it's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. 
it's not even just an encouragement where Jesus says, I want to encourage you along this line. And he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Next day, he's going to be on the cross dying for them. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. In the 13th chapter, verses 34 and 35, he says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. But now he he specifically, just as in chapter 15 and verse 12, he gives the standard of that love. So in chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, just as he said in chapter 15 and verse 12 that you also love one another. And then he goes on and he says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So they're going to see that example, and that's going to be exemplary of Christianity to the non-Christian, the person on the outside looking in. And that falls right in line with what John says in verse 10 of chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 10, when he says, he who loves his brother abides in the light. He's living in the light of God's word, of God's will, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. People will not see hatred in his heart toward a brother, sister in Christ, and that influences them away from Christianity. They stumble because they see inconsistency and even hypocrisy in the life of that individual who hates his brother or sister in Christ. Well, interesting, isn't it? And in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11, John goes on and he addresses this, this particular subject again. This is the message that you heard from, from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then in verse 23, he says it again. This is, this is his commandment. Going back to John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus gave this as a commandment. And also chapter 15 and verse 12, this is my commandment. This is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of the, his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. He actually makes that statement of this love being commanded, not just suggested, twice in that one verse. And then we look at chapter 4 and verse 21. This commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So this is not just a good idea. This is a commandment, and it's emphasized repeatedly through John's writings, but it is a commandment given by Jesus himself while he was on this earth. Now, beginning with verse 12 in 1 John chapter 2, John goes into um, kind of a, a, you know, a, a, a verse. We might look at it. It's really written in poetic form. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Little children, your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. God loves us so much that he sent his son to that cross. God wants to forgive us because he loves us. He created us in his image, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. We have a soul. We're unique from all of the rest of creation in that way. 
I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. Now notice, he's addressing the different age groups, isn't he? The different generations. Little children, fathers, young men, little children again. Verse 14, fathers again. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Young men again. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Well, who is the wicked one? Obviously, the devil himself. How do we overcome the devil? Through Christ. Through Christ. As we come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and surrender our lives to him in baptism, the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. Acts 22 and verse 16, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. So that's how we overcome the devil. We walk with God through Christ. We live by God's teachings communicated to us in his word. That is how we overcome the devil. James wrote in James chapter 4, James chapter 4 and verses 7 and 8, that we need to make up our minds to resist the devil, to turn away from him, to walk with God, and thereby overcome the devil. What did James say in that particular text? Chapter 4, verse 7, therefore submit to God. How do we submit to God? We live by his teachings. Resist the devil, James says, and he will flee from you. How do we resist the devil? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we have to turn away from the sinfulness that the devil is always trying to lead us into through te- all kinds of temptations. And we have to walk with God according to his word. Well, and in doing that, we resist the devil. If we're walking with God faithfully and obediently, And consistently, well, there's no room for the devil in our life then. No room for his influence in an effective way in our life. So we overcome the evil one, the devil, by walking with God. We're going to stop here. We'll pick up next time with verse 15. And verses 15 through 17 makes a really important instruction. And it goes right along with resisting the devil and walking with God specific application. I hope you'll read that ahead and be ready for for us to get into that in a more deep way. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, dear Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for showing us the depth of your love as best we can understand it by sending your son to that cross to die, to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Thank you for loving us that much and helping us to understand love through the love that you have exhibited toward us. And help us, Father, to live in your love, to walk in the light of your word, to walk with you, and help us to effectively and consistently thereby resist the devil. Help us to be a great example, shining lights of righteousness, godliness, dedication to you, Father, 
to the world all around us who is engulfed in the darkness of sin. We pray for souls, Father. We pray for our souls. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.